Hi, good morning, or whatever time it is when you're watching this. Welcome to In the Kitchen. Again, this is um, kind of our offering to you to come alongside those of you that are teaching, maybe around your kitchen table, sharing, opening the word with your kids or with your roommates. We love that. Some of you are doing some follow-up to the message in an adult fellowship class or in a small group. So this is our way of kind of coming alongside as journey partners and sharing some thoughts that we might have about Daniel. Now the teacher for this particular um, message is Jeff Lilly. Do you see Jeff Lilly here? No, neither do we. So we hope that he and Eugenie are enjoying a wonderful vacation. And we will be sure to pass on our great insights to Jeff as he finalizes preparation for this. But we're in Daniel chapter 2. And uh, uh, let's just introduce our, our folks that are here. I'm John, John Schaefer. And your role on staff. I'm Shepherd to Anchor Ministries. And I'm Jenny Key. My role on staff is Shepherd of Prayer. And I'm Kelsey Crow, and I'm the Shepherd of Intergenerational Ministries. I'm Zach Zienka. I'm the Shepherd of Young Professionals. Which is a newer role for, for Zach, so we're really excited at all the stuff that he's taking off doing. So we're in Daniel chapter 2. We're doing the um, English Standard Version, and if you have not already received one of these great little booklets... They're available. You can stop by the church and get them. We've had a couple of pass out days and usually they have them at the Sunday night service. So if that's where you come and worship, pick up one of these because they're so great. You can see all the notes I've taken, not quite yet, <laughs> but that I will take in this space on the on the side. So you've got the scripture there. You've got a way to just write in what the things what things God says to you and speaks to you through that. So I'm going to start out reading from Daniel chapter 2. Now, because we love you, we are not reading the entire chapter. <laughs> Jeff will be preaching on the whole thing, but it's 49 verses, so that would be about the end of our time. So we're going to read just a selected passage. Kelsey and I will do that. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation." The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show me the dream, if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. Please. Uh, the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. 
The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not met with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon, Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Doesn't this just seem cinemagraphic? I mean, it just seems like this is uh, this would be a great film. And of course, what happens after this is exactly what Daniel has has foretold. I love that his response in all of this is to worship. It's just to praise the Lord. But what things what things struck y'all? Were there were there things in here that seemed new to you in some way or um, unusual? We don't know really. We don't know as we said kind of where Jeff will go as far as themes. But we know that one of the reasons for Darren picking this in our scope of scriptures uh, scripture studies is to focus on the pillar of prophetic engagement. And boy, does this ever talk about that in some broad brushstrokes. So what are some things that have struck y'all? I like the, in verse 10 and 11, where um, the different wise men of Babylon are kind of giving their reasons for why this request is so absurd of Nebuchadnezzar. And they say that this, your demand is impossible, that no one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they, there's this part, part here, um, my translation it says, they do not live here among people. I think the ESV said they do not make their dwelling here. Um, 
And I, I think that's supposed to give us a, like an intentional contrast between Yahweh, between the God who does dwell. Um, and you think about Daniel and his and his companions. They've just been uprooted from their homes. They've left the temple. It's been ransacked. And to them, God's dwelling has been uh, desecrated. And but yet they still feel his presence and they're still certain that he's with them, even though they're away from home and he's basically left his people to ruins to face the consequences. And yet for these Babylonians, even to them, their gods are still far removed, even though they're in their homeland um, and they're secure, their, their gods are, are distant. And yet the contrast is that Daniel's God is near and close to them. Um, and that he can offer this wisdom. And then for us, you know, as, as we think about Jesus, this idea of, of our God making his dwelling among us and, and coming in flesh, that that's just like the power of, of our God, that, that he is there, he has this wisdom, and he's dwelling with us at all times. I like this idea, and in, in this read you were just giving it, I picked up on a second thing. First of all is that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream about God communicating in dreams, um, which we've talked about uh, recently. We were talking about uh, last week. You brought that up. But also that the way that God communicates to Daniel is in a vision. And I wonder how open I am to thinking about, does God communicate with me in other ways, in his word, through other people, but also through dreams and visions that God communicates to his people that way. So that's kind of a, a good reminder I love that. I, we were thinking about this earlier. It's not necessarily, it's not that either there's a vision or there's not a vision, but there can be a continuum in a sense of, you know, where what part does having your imagination captured, so you have a like a word picture, or you have a picture of something, and then maybe you have, you daydream, you have a twilight, but maybe you do have a dream, maybe you have a vision that's given from the Lord, and how often, we were talking about this with Dan Crane, so many of those that are working in creative access countries or maybe are working with Muslims that we are enjoined to pray for them that their men will receive visions because that's part of their culture and part of their religion that they really pay attention to that. So this seems to be really important here. It's not like, oh, I had a weird dream, so I must have had something, you know, some bad shellfish for dinner. <laughs> it's that I'm going to really pay attention to this. Um, and that's exactly what God does, is he uses that. So. Yeah, I love, and kind of goes along with that, about like how God answers their prayers. But in 17 and 18, when Daniel goes to his friends in, in verse 18, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So he's like, okay, we want to go to God. I need you guys to come to God with me. You know, we're going to come to pray and seek that he would interpret this, that he would... I love that seek mercy that they're just under this hand of God. It's, it's only going to be you. We have to rely so much on you providing for us and you doing this. Um, and yeah, he, he gathers his friends around. And then like you just said that he answers them in the dream, you know, he gives Daniel that. And so in the vision of the night and so yeah, I just love that. It's like, and not just that he and his friends wouldn't be destroyed, but they're kind of like seeking on behalf of a lot of people, you know, like yeah. this could have a huge effect if we don't mm -hmm. get this dream interpreted and knowing, I, I just love that Daniel knows it's only going to be God that Absolutely. does this. And even the, 
the Chaldeans up there nodded at that too. Like, it's not, we don't know how to do this. Like, they don't, they don't know Yahweh, but Daniel does, you know? So I just love that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's interesting to think about what the wise men, wise men, the not-so-wise men, what they thought of Daniel and the three, you know? So there could be kind of this love-hate relationship because you just see sort of time after time, it's like, well, let's just go get Daniel. I mean, that's, that's the last the last resort, but if he's allowing their lives to be spared too, so and, but then they come back later in the... In the plot against him and all kinds of things in this relationship. But I agree. I think that's so important. And maybe the lesson for us there is when we're met with something that's of such magnitude, one of the first things we should do is say, where are my, where are my prayer partners? Where are my journey partners, my counselors, my mentors, those that can speak into my life and just say, just pray for me, you know, pray for that. I'll have discernment and understanding and, and it says, I think this is so interesting because in those same verses, so in 18 and in 19, it says, then after they had already sought the Lord and prayed for mercy, then the mystery was revealed to him. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So we, we see with Daniel, you know, he's praising and worshiping. Things happen. He praises and worships over those things specifically all the way through. That's just sort of, you know, that, that personal holiness and even what he says here, what a, what a wonderful, blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. I mean, those are the two things that, uh, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is smart enough to look for interpretation, right, in this. The thing you both touched on, it was kind of fascinating to me, especially since in the, ne in the next chapter we'll see people are not happy with the Jews and are like, you know, uh, ratting them out to Nebuchadnezzar, but in this it does seems to me that Daniel is compassionate or cares about the other false prophets from those other things that when he, when he calls the commander and says, hey, stop him from killing all the people. And there's a part of me that would say, who cares about all those guys? But he doesn't lose sight of that. He still cares about all of them, which is interesting. It is also interesting to me that... Um, the king has such a stable of everything to cover all the bases, you know. So talking about a spiritual awareness. So I see Nebuchadnezzar as a guy like, I'm not sure what's right, but I'll have a magician. I'll have a sorcerer. Mm. I'll have a Jewish prophet. Yeah. I'll have one of everything. So now I got everything covered, you know, so uh, that kind of thing. So that's kind of a tell about, you know, people have a spiritual awareness of things. Maybe they don't know spiritual truth, the truth about God, but they're out there looking and saying, hey, I, I know there are supernatural things that happen, and I want to try to be dialed into that. I think that's a great point, John. When you were saying that, it reminded me of a friend years ago whose daughter was in kidney failure, and they had done, they felt like they had done everything medically they could do. They were continuing to do things. She was on the list for a transplant. You know, every friend <clears throat> knew what was going on and was praying, and she said, and I took her to a healing service. I don't even know that I believe in a healing service, but I just thought if there's anything I can do. And I, and I think that, I mean, even in verse one, it says Nebuchadnezzar, his spirit was troubled, you know, that he, and then he becomes angry and furious. Well, usually you, you have that kind of response when you're fearful, mm -hmm. you know, you're just angry and things are out of control. And, um, he was, you know, scattershot to mm -hmm. your point. Yeah. Just looking for everything he could 
find as far as a possible solution. Well, and then even at the very end, we didn't read it, but in uh, verse 47, after Daniel tells the dream and interprets it, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery. And that, that kind of nods to him. Reaching out to who know, anything mm -hmm. and then re recognizing when Daniel is able to tell the dream and interpret it because mm -hmm. of God. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar mm -hmm. sees that. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is an interesting character throughout the book. Like, without getting too far ahead, but this, like, is his attitude throughout the book. Like, he'll do something and then God will, will move and reveal himself in a way. And then he's like, God is great. He's yeah. truly the Lord yeah. of Lords. And then move into something different and just almost completely disregard everything he just said. This is really bipolar character. So I don't know if this is a chicken or egg discussion about Daniel, but in 14 where it says, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Mm. So there's a whole part of Daniel that he gets these answers from God that God reveals to him. And I'm wondering about, it. does God also give Daniel prudence and discretion, or is that his character that helped equip him to be in that spot? Um, and I was thinking about that because I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, and I was thinking, this would be a great verse to share sometimes. I'd have to do it tactfully with somebody, but say, hey, why don't you read this verse in Daniel 2.14, how Daniel had a little more discretion about how he said that, or was very wise about how he said that. Because because the vision, getting the interpretive vision is great, but if Daniel had pitched that wrong, he would have never even got the time to figure out what the vision was. So is that of God or is that Daniel's just general character? I wonder if the the part in Daniel's praise in verse 21 when he says that he gives wisdom to the wise. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if that's connected to say that mm. Daniel has sought wisdom and has grown in wisdom uh, and so in a sense, God has worked through him to mature him mm -hmm. with him. And we see that here in his handling of the situation. And almost the wise move of his is that he seeks he seeks God. And then God is the one who gives him um, the interpretation. So I, I do think there's a, maybe a both and mm -hmm. to it. That it's not just um, the way in which we live is just blissful and blind and just hoping that at every moment God will just clearly show us the path every single time, but that God works in us that we become wise, um, but that a lot of times the way we show our wisdom is to just seek him. Um, so I, I, think it's, yeah. I think it's both. Well, that's kind of what you're saying, the mm. chicken egg. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think to your point um, in Daniel 1, uh, verse 3, the king commanded um, Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and content to stand in the king's palace. So, you know, at 14, 15, I don't know, Zach, you would probably tell us how old Daniel and these guys were. Yeah, they're, they're, def they're definitely they were young. young. Yeah. They're fairly young. So to be seen as wise, even at that age, but they're singled out for that. And that whole idea to whom, to who has much, much will be given mm -hmm. in a way. And then you become a steward of that. So, you know, there's that James one. We just came out of James. Mm -hmm. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to 
to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given. So I think, yes, his character, there's wisdom in his character, and then he is so yielded to the Lord, so humble. Mm -hmm. This guy had a lot to be proud of, not the least of which was, you know, his physical strength and eating all the, you know, the vegetables and the water and the herbs and, and appearing fatter, although we laughed about that, but fat in a healthy sense, you know, so he was healthy, he was wise, he was physically attractive, he had understanding and learning, and then they just pour all this stuff into them. I mean, they're, they're brought in in this internship journey, you know, whatever to be taught. So I love that. So the idea is that I think God hurries to give us wisdom. You know, we're told in Proverbs to like stand in the street corner and, and beg her to turn this way and to, you know, as we as a mother who's prayed for a son, I've prayed those verses so often, you know, for wisdom. So I love that. I love that, that idea of, you know, if we have this much wisdom, how the Holy Spirit wants to grow that in us. And um, maybe for such a time as this, we need more wise people. Yeah, seriously. Um, when Daniel blesses God after he's revealed the dream to him, I just like find a lot of, I just almost let those words like speak to me of just re reminding me that like, okay, God can change times and seasons. He's the one who removes kings and sets up kings. He's the one who gives understanding. He's the one who reveals things. He's the one who the light dwells with him, which that goes back to even what our study in John about light and darkness and that kind of thing. But, um, I just like, I, it's almost like, okay, remember Kelsey, like even in Job when God's like, where were you when, <laughs> when I created the world, you know, and not, that, not like it with that attitude, but just remembering that like God can do all these things and that posture of just remembering that. And, um, yeah, just like, I guess like I just let those verses almost like <laughs> speak to me and, like shepherd me as I'm remembering like who God is and what he does. And, um, so that blessing is like, Oh, it blesses me as I'm reminded that that's who God is. Oh, I love that. I, and, and the importance of maybe telling each other and reminding each other of God's faithfulness. Remember that time when, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I, I'm thinking, you know, we we know where this story goes and we know, lion's den and we know things like that are to come but you just wonder if at the point at which those came they said well remember remember what happened before there was that you know that was, there was that time and daniel receiving the awareness the interpretation receiving the dream remember that happened god was faithful then he'll be faithful now so i think that's incumbent on us too you know certainly as friends and as parents and grandparents to say this is where we've seen god be faithful Are, are we prophets? Are we, are we called to be prophets? I mean, that's one of our pillars, prophetic engagement. Um, where, what, would that look, what does that look like in 2020, in the midst of COVID? And... Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think, too, it's knowing really what the prophets were in the Old Testament. Most of what they did was, was look around in their current situation and sought God's wisdom in handling that. Like really, a very small percentage of Old Testament prophecy is about future stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really the, 
nonprofits engaging with their world now and, and, and recognizing really what's happening, what's behind the scenes, um, and seeking God's wisdom in that. So I think in that sense, we are prophetic in that way, not prophetic in the uh, sense that we're going to give predictions and, and make assumptions on what these events are telling us, but we're going to look at our world and, and seek God's wisdom and, um, and wisely critique and wisely bring truth to it. Um, and that's what the prophets are doing. I mean, even Daniel, when he's giving these visions of what's to come, I mean, a lot of it is even current stuff with himself, that, that God is going to move kingdoms and make changes. And in the book of Daniel, Daniel goes through these different shifts. In the hey, let's, sorry, let's pause. Sorry, the card is full. Oh, no. But we can, if you're able to kind of recount some of that, Zach, and start from that question. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Do you want me to ask the question again so we can sure. start from the top sure. of that? Yeah, and that's we're, really good. We're at about like 23, but you guys can finish oh, up okay. the so question. Well, okay. We'll let, yeah. So make it good, Zach. This is the post. Make it good. Yeah. That was a one time thing. I know, that's it. But you feel like, wait, what did I say? It was so good. He's trying part. to go get her, get his attention. <laughs> I was like, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's why we have uh, extra cards. You know, I guess we should have a lot on this one recently. Could you not even delete anything from it? <laughs> I just, I don't delete until the project is done. So, oh, yeah, yeah. we had stuff from Sunday and stuff from yesterday. So maybe I'll even say. Kind of here's our last question. I mean, uh, just to sort yeah, of answer you know, yeah. that. Here's your last question. And then you want to close it? Yeah, I mean, you just you say what you're saying, which was great. You know, I just can say it. Okay. Mm -hmm. so. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Could I sing a little song? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you can't. <laughs> 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 As soon as she yeah, says, okay, yeah, yeah then you can sing cut, a song. And then you can sing. <laughs> and have it ready, Todd. I feel stifled. That would be good footage to use somehow. I think you should actually. We're rolling again. So. Okay. So here's my question. Maybe our, here's our last question. Are we prophets? I mean, this we said this is part of our pillar of prophetic engagement, but... Um, Daniel, pretty clearly and significantly a prophet, but does that apply to us now in 2020? Um, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think I think when we think of a prophet, or we think of like a a wizard or a magician who knows the future, and and I think when we ask ourselves, are we supposed to be those kind of people? I, I think that's when we might be asking the wrong question of what a prophet is. I think. For Daniel and for a lot of the Old Testament prophets, what that position meant was that they were looking at their current situation and and seeking discernment and seeking truth and seeking where is God in the midst of this? Where, where is he leading us into it? That, that was the position of the prophet. I mean, very, very small. In fact, I think it's like 2% of Old Testament prophetic work is about the future. Mm. So it's such a small portion of it about telling us what's going to happen. And, and more of it is about looking at the current situation, pushing God's people in the right direction and thinking about the prophets and how much that they're telling truth to the, the people around them and, and, and like holding them to account.
accountability on the covenant and what they're supposed to be doing. I think that's prophetic engagement is, is to lead people into truth, um, to, to reveal the bigger picture of things. And even for Daniel, you know, when we do get into his prophetic stuff and the visions, it is dealing with future stuff, but it is still working through the things that he is currently surrounded by. You know, this idea that the kings would be removed and be changed. Daniel goes through that. He goes from the Babylonians to the Persians and, and watching as God is making these changes. And so even for his future looking stuff, there was present implications to say, God is behind the scenes. Let's, let's point people to that. And I think that's our prophetic engagement is to point people to the truth of what God is doing, to, to take a step back and wonder what is actually happening behind the scenes and, and call people to accountability in that, 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 that there's a purpose for what we're doing. Um, for the prophets, it was to say, you were supposed to be a light to the nations. Like, well, let's hold ourselves to that, that standard. And so I think that would be the prophetic engagement that we have now. That's a, that's a great answer. And we know that God wants to imbue us with wisdom. We know that he wants to do that. So, boy, does our culture, do our times, they need all the help we can give to our not-yet-believing friends, maybe, mm -hmm. to interpret what's going on and to lift high his name in the midst of it. So, mm -hmm. All right, so Jeff, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> this is some help to our friends as they prepare to teach and to talk, and um, mm -hmm. blessings mm -hmm. to all of you from us.